Hope you have a wonderful day. Well, we continue, we left off in the 8th chapter of Avakama, Perek HaChoyvel, page 98. The second line from the top. So yesterday we learned there were two brises that seemed to contradict each other. One brise says that a, um, a Canaanite slave, that's, uh, that the wife entered into the marriage and the husband gets takes possession, he gets to enjoy the benefits and the service of the slave. So if uh, a Canaanite slave, he's, if you uh, knock out his eye, or if you knock out his tooth, then uh, he goes free. So who is the master? One bride says that it's not the, the, the husband, but the wife. The wife, it's her slave. So when she knocks out his uh, tooth or his eye, he goes free. And the other bride says no. He has, in this case, he has no master. Neither, neither, neither the um, husband or the wife. They knock him out. They have no master. So, how do you reconcile the prices? First thing, mother wanted to say maybe one holds of the takana Busha, one doesn't hold of the takana Busha. That she's the master; it's her slave, and uh, therefore she has a right to sell it. But as long as the husband is alive, he gets the, the he gets the benefit. And and, and the moment the, the wife the wife dies, it goes to it goes to the, um, or the, it goes to the, uh, to the buyer. And therefore, she's the master, and therefore, if she knocks out her eye, she goes free. Another bride holds of the Takana Vusha, and even though by law, by right, she should be able to sell it, she is the owner, but nevertheless, the rabbis say, no, that, um, that it goes to the husband. To strengthen the marriage, it goes to the husband. So he says, no, that's what he, we wanted to explain. So he says, no, really everyone holds of Usha. It's universally accepted. But this was before this Braisa was taught, before the enactment of Usha, of the great Sanhedrin of Usha. And that was in Usha, and this one is post, post this enactment of Usha. Or another explanation, he says, both of them were talking about post this enactment of the great Sanhedrin of Usha. But, but, um, but the argument is Rava, because Rava says, Rava taught that even if you designate the slave, let's say you borrowed money and you designate the slave to the creditor, the lender, that you're going to collect your debt from this slave. But if you set him free, then a slave is free and the lender can no longer collect his debt. So too, so that's the opinion of the Braiser that sins. He, she hid his eyes. So really, the Kanavusha really belongs to the husband. But uh, since he, she knocked out his eye, since she knocked out his eye, no, it goes to the husband. But, but since she knocked out his eye, so that's, that sets him free. That's like sets him free. So since she sets him free, so even though the rabbis committed him to the husband, sets him free, and therefore she has the power to set him free, even though the rabbis committed him to the husband after her death. But, but, the, uh, but her hitting the slave sets him free, and it overrides that commitment. So your mother is going to say now, so you're going to say, So you want to tell me that what Ravah taught, that if you designate the Canaanite, the non-Jewish slave, as an apoitike, it can be overridden, and you have the power to still free him, even though you've already designated him to pay the debt? The master has the power to free him. So he's saying too here, even though the rabbis in Usha already like, it's like a debt. They committed the slave to belong to the husband, but she has the power to override it. 
So he's saying the other prices argue. The first prices says indeed he goes free. The second prices says no, that even if she knocks out his eye, if she knocks out his tooth, he does not go free. That means they don't accept the Rava. What Rava is saying is not universal. Lehmah the Rava Tanoi is an argument Tanoi. The Mordech says, look, no. Kul al Everyone holds like Rava. Everyone holds. It's universally accepted. But here, for the same reason that the rabbis enacted, even though truly it's her, it belongs to her. Nevertheless, the rabbis say that the husband inherits her, and even if she sells it, it's not effective. The husband gets to keep it. He's like the first buyer. So if the why? To strengthen the marriage. He shouldn't be jealous of her. He shouldn't be angry at her. So too, for that same reason, they said that in this case, even though she freed the slave, it's, no, the slave was already designated to him, and she has no right to free him. So they strengthen his commitment to the Baal. It's not a usual case. It's an unusual case. Therefore, he doesn't go free. Therefore, her hitting him doesn't go free because she doesn't have any, doesn't have the power. It's committed to the husband. He boy say, if you want, I'll tell you. Really, I'll tell you, no one holds the Kanas Really, it's hers. It belongs to her, and she has a right to sell it. So therefore, she's the master. So why does the second Baraisa say that even if she pokes out his eye and she knocks out his tooth, he does not go free? She's not the master. They're arguing whether Kinyin Apetis is like a Kinyin Aguf. That the fact that the husband takes possession and, and as long as they're married and as long as he gets the rights to... Uh, to, you, to get the service of the slave and any benefit from the slave. So the second Baraiz, so the first Baraiz says, the first Baraiz says, holds that the fact that he has possession to use the slave doesn't make it his. So it's entirely the wife. She's the master. The second Baraiz holds, no. Kenyan Apedis. Is king in a goof. So it says if he owns it, so he's he's like a partial owner. So neither she's the full master, neither he's the master. So therefore, neither of them can free the slave by them hitting, uh, taking his eye out or, or knocking out his tooth. Look at that in It's like the argument of these tenoyim. Person sells his Canaanite slave to someone else. And he makes up, the seller makes up with the buyer, he's selling him on the condition that for the next 30 days he gets to still use the slave. So the question is, during those 30 slaves, who's considered the master? The first one, the seller, is the master. Because the first 30 days, it's still his slave. He still gets to, he still gets to use it. And therefore, the din of Yemi Yemayim applies because he's still under his state. It says in the Torah that if the master beats up his slave and he says he's in critical condition, so if he lasts for 24 hours and he doesn't die within the first 24 hours, then and then he dies, we don't put the master to death. But if he, the, the slave dies within the first 24 hours, it's a capital crime. Just because he's a slave, you have no right to kill him. You have no right to, he's not your punching bag. You don't even have a right to poke out his eye to knock out his tooth. So if you kill him, you get a, you, it's a capital crime and, and you get executed. Rameir says that this law, which specifically only applies to a master and a slave, only refers to the seller of the first 30 days. Because he has the right 
to, to use them for those 30 days. Because he's, he's still under his possession, he's still under his jurisdiction. Why? Because somebody owes, he has the right to use him. It's as if he owns it, so he's considered the master. And Abu argues, and he says, the buyer, he is the master, even during those 30 days. Because he bought it, he paid for it, it's, 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 his, it's his slave. The Tejas says that this law applies only because Kikaspi, because it's his money. And you might explain what's the reasoning of Rabbi Uda, what's his rationale, why is he arguing that Mayor, because Kasavari holds, Kinakpedes, Lavki Kinakuv Dami. Just because he has the right of the usage of the slave, it's not like it's not like he owns the slave. And therefore, the master is the buyer, not the, not the seller who still gets to use the slave. Rabbi Yehissi a third opinion. Rabbi Yehissi argues with both of them. They're both considered the master. The seller is considered the master because he still has usage of the slave for, the next, for, the first, for those 30 days. And the buyer, because he paid for it, it's his. After 30 days, he's going to get it, the slave. Why does he hold like that? Because Mesapkele, He's not sure. King the Pedas, King Aguvdami, Love King Aguvdami. And therefore, Suffolk Nefarshal Lakal, he says you have to be lenient because we're not sure. He's not sure whether the fact that he has the right of the usage is considered as ownership or not. And therefore, maybe he's considered, the Torah considers the seller the master for the first 30 days. Maybe the, the Torah considers the buyer the master even during those 30 days. So neither, neither of them could we put to death. If the if the slave survives twenty four hours and then he dies, neither of them could be put. So there, so we, let's say so they can say these two brises. In our case, well, who is considered the master? Who knocks out the eye and the tooth if the slave goes free? The first brise says if the wife uh, uh, knocks out the wife that he goes free. The second brise says that even if the wife neither neither the husband nor the wife knocks out that he goes free, that's the argument. They're arguing about, not because it's the Sushi, it's hers, it's her, it's her slave. But since he has right and he has access and he has the permission to use it, all the fruits and benefits, that's the question. If he's considered the master, therefore takes away her mastery or not. And she remains the sole master and therefore when she knocks out the, that's the first bride that holds, if she knocks out the, the slave's tooth or eye, she, the slave goes free. Fourth opinion. Neither of them. The buyer, because it's not his, he can't use it for 30 days. The master, because it's not Kaspar, it's not his. Neither of them. Neither of them are considered. But it wants to understand what's, what's the reason of Rabbi Make up your mind. If you say that, make it in mind, if Kenyana Pereski, Kenyana Gof, if the right to use it is considered like ownership, so then the seller is the master for those 30 days. If it's not considered like ownership, then the buyer is the master. Why does it say neither? Why does it say neither of them are the master? I'm going to have my time in the Rabbalazar. Because he says, the Amakrat says in the Pasuk, Ki Kaspayhu. 
The Pasuk says clearly, it has to be entirely his. In other words, he's the, it, not only he owns it, but he's the only one who can use it. You can't have ownership, but I can't use it. Someone else uses it. Then it's not, then it's not considered your ownership in this case. So therefore, in this case, neither of them are considered the master. So command says, according to which opinion is following, uh, if, uh, which opinion is being followed? said, either, either the husband or the wife who sell the nichsimilug, her property that she entered into the marriage, that the husband gets to enjoy the fruits and the benefit, neither of them have the power to sell. Keman, according to Kerambalaz, So therefore, since even though he has access, he has the rights. But since she doesn't have the rights and he doesn't own this, therefore neither of them can sell it, could sell it. So even if he sells it, as when so when one of them dies, if the husband dies, the wife takes it away from the buyer. If the if the wife dies, the husband takes it away from the buyer. Command according to who does he follow? Kirabeleza. He follows the opinion of Rabeleza. It's like just like Rabbi Lezer said in our case, that neither of them have the din of Yemi Yemayim if the slave dies. Even after 24 hours, he's sentenced to death because during those 30 days, neither of them are considered the master, the total master. So to over here, neither the husband or the wife are considered the, the owner. That same reason. Which opinion does this follow? We learn the rabbis learn. We learn the brayis mish chetziv half slave, a half he's half free and half slave. For example, two partner a part partners owned the slave. One of them freed him, and the other one didn't. So he's fifty percent free, fifty percent still a slave. A slave of two partners. One of them owns owns the slave. It's his. But the other one only ha- has the rights. For example, the case we said earlier. One of them owns it and one of them has the rights of the usage. So the slave doesn't go free if one of them hits him, takes out his eye, it takes out his tooth, his old tooth that will never return. This follows the opinion of Rabbi When did the Tater say that this law, this unique law, that if the, if the slave is in critical, you knock them out and he's in critical condition and he survives 24 hours, then you're exempt from the death penalty only if he dies within 24 hours. So it says only your slave, it's, it's exclusive to you. You have exclusive ownership. You don't share the ownership in any way. So Achinami also, regarding when the Tatus says, if you knock out an eye, it says, Avdei, your slave. It's your unique to you, exclusive to you. It has to be 100% yours. Since it's not 100% yours, the slave is half free and half slave, or one of them owns it and the other one has the right to the usage. 
So therefore, in that case, this law doesn't apply. See, even knocks it out the eye, it takes it the tooth. The slave does not go free. And the law follows Rabbi Lezer. Okay, look at Mishnah. We're in the next Mishnah. We talk about the laws of embarrassing. The payment for embarrassing, for humiliating. So, okay, Allah So the rabbis made certain fixed, uh, fixed payments. If you hit someone and you shame him, they only sell it. You have to pay a seller. Behood, says, Manda. Hundreds is 25 select. Satri, if you slap him across the face, which is more shameful and more embarrassing, more humiliating, Islam Messiah, the double, 200 Zuz, 50 Selah. Lacha Yadi with the back of your hand, which is even more shameful. Some say you hit the back of the hand, the person's back of the hand. They say, I remember Zuz, you pay 400 Zuz, 100 Selah. Sadam Vyazna, if you pull his ear, or Talash Vesaida, you pull you pull his ear, or you pull his ear. Talash Vesaida, you pull his ear. Rakak, you spit, spit on your friend, and the spit landed on him. Heaven is Talisimeno, you removed his garments from him, you tore off his garments. So he's outside, naked without garments. Padra, Rishisha Besuk, he took off her head covering, or shaitl, or head covering. You have to give to the one who was embarrassed. You have to give 400 zuz, 100 self. Zakla, we continue inside B90 This is the rule. It's very subjective. It's all, it's all according to his dignity, his honor. Even the poorest Jew, and we look at view them as if they were free. As if they were wealthy or lost all their wealth. They are the children of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. They come from royalty. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov are all billionaires. So every Jew is like a prince. Now he doesn't have anything. We didn't inherit all that wealth. But we have to treat him that way. Someone tore off the head covering of a woman in the public. And they came for the and he obligated to give her, pay her 400 Zuz for the shame, the embarrassment, the humiliation. He says, Rebbe, give me time. He gave him some time, I guess, to put together the money. Shamra, he waited for her until he saw Imedas Pesach Hatzedah. That she was standing by the door of her courtyard, and he broke the barrel in front of her. And it was a, there was a amount of a iser of oil. And he's watching her. How is she going to react? She took off her head covering. She took off the head covering. She was so stingy, and that there was an amount of oil you can buy for an isser, small coin. So she took off her head covering, she took her hands, and she took with her hands, she collected with her hands, she took the oil, she salvaged the oil and rubbed it on her hair, 
so she can take it home and squeeze it out, and she can save herself some uh, nisar. So immediately brought witnesses who watched. Who came to Rabbi Kiva. the person said to Rabbi Kiva, doesn't even care about her shame. She shamed herself in public, took off her own head covering for a little, a little drop of oil. Amalei Rabbi Kiva says, he didn't say anything. You have no argument. Because it's a fixed amount, and everyone is equal. Even the most, even the most, uh, the simplest person, or the person who has the least dignity. Because what if a person are you allowed to wound yourself? You're not allowed to wound yourself. You don't own your body, even though you're an American. You have rights in Judaism. You have no rights. You have privileges. Your body is a gift from Hashem. You have obligation, a duty to protect it, to watch it. But nevertheless, if you hurt yourself, Pata, you don't have to pay. And you, you, don't, get, you don't get lashes. Because the Torah says that if you, if, you, if you damage property, you have to get lashes. Rabbinically, you're not allowed to damage anything, including yourself. Nevertheless, there's no lashes. But if others hit you, wound you, they have to pay. So the same is with the shame and humiliation. Even someone who shames himself, you're not allowed to shame yourself. You have to treat yourself with dignity because it's not you. You don't own yourself. But nevertheless, there's no penalty. But to other people who shame you, you have to pay the full 400. And then the Mishnah continues. Okay, so even though if you cut your, your own trees, even though you're not allowed to, the Taita says, Baltashas, you're not allowed to ruin and destroy nature. But nevertheless, you're exempt. But I hate him. Because you can say that you cut it, you cut it for your own benefit. You had a benefit. It's not absolute hug a tree and trees are more important than people. No. They're secondary. But but you can't just cut it for no reason. You can always claim I have a reason. But others who cut someone else's tree without permission, Chayovin, they have to pay. That's that's the mission. Okay. And it says, Abiyas Aglili says you have to pay money for slapping someone. Slapping them in the slapping them in the face, you pay two hundred for tekeya for for blowing in their ear. For blowing in their ear or hitting him in the ear or blowing them in the ear and, and frightening them, you pay the Tanakama said the seller, and the Buddha said Abiyas Aglili, a hundred. The question was, you're talking about money tsuri, a hundred of tsuri, which is real silver? Which is very very expensive. The value is in the silver, or manamadinatnan, which is an eighth, an eighth of silver, and the rest is an alloy. So it will be an eighth of its value. So Tashma bring you up, the was a person who blew into his friend's ear, or he slapped him in the ear. Also, come to the he came before Rabbi Yehuda, the prince. How much did he pay him? With says, me together with me, I and Rabbi Yisrael, I am here and Rabbi Yisrael is here, and he says you have to pay a hundred. So Habli, pay him manatzuri, a hundred of the silver, the most expensive coins. Shmami no manatzuri tenan, shmami no tzaprov. We give him the most expensive penalty. Like the Gemara, my Hanor Rabbi Yisrael. What did he mean? Well, I'm here and Rabbi Yisrael is here. If you're going to say this is what he said to him. I saw that you blew into his ear. But Abiyasaglili, and here's Abiyasaglili, he says, Manatsuri. 
and therefore they'll have Yavle give him. Because between me seeing him and Abiyas Aglili, who gave the verdict that this is how much you have to pay, go pay. Havli Monatudi, you can't say that. The Memra, you're going to say, the Eid Nasadayan, that the witness could also be a judge. But then you learn the Braise, Sanhedrin, Shadro, Echad, Shadig, Sanhedrin. If a Sanhedrin saw someone murder someone, and they are the only witnesses, so what do you do? Since the witnesses cannot be the judges, so Mitzasan Nasadayan, Mitzasan Nasadayan. You can't be both simultaneously. Testify and and be the judge. So they have to divide it. That some of them will be the Sanhedrin, and two of them will act as the witness, and they will not be judges. They will not judge the case. They're just going to testify what they saw, and the rest will act as judges. None of them are qualified to be judges. Once you saw it, you cannot be a judge because you can no longer be objective. You can't judge him, judge it objectively. This art can come up when the Rabtarfan say that they could act as judges, but you can't it's only but you can't act as both. Even he who says that a witness could be a judge, but you can't be both simultaneously. Some of them are witnesses, two of them are witnesses, and the rest will act as judges. The witness himself is the judge. So surely that's not what Rabbi Yehuda meant. It's not possible. That's what Yehuda meant. I saw it, and I'm judging, and I'm telling you this is what you have to pay. My answer is not. He went to the Bryce against We're talking about in a case when they saw it at night. Since you can't judge at night, so you have to wait till the morning. So the morning, therefore, they, they need witnesses to come and testify. But if if they see it during the day and they, the judges see it, it's stronger than witnesses. Why do I need witnesses? I saw it myself. They can sit down right away and judge them. So, it, so the witness could be a judge. If, if seeing should be less than hearing, if I can hear the testimony, surely if I see it, it's only since at night I can't judge. I have to wait till the morning. So in the morning I have to hear testimony. Therefore, we have to. Therefore, the, the witnesses cannot be a judge. If you want, I'll tell you. This is what Rabbi Yehuda meant to say. I'm not I hold like Rabbi Yisaglili. I am here, Rabbi Yisaglili, and we both hold. And here are the witnesses, other witnesses, not me. Go pay him a hundred silver coins, real silver coins. Once he's testified, you can no longer ever be a judge. But Tandi will learn the Braise. It says when you beat your friend up and you hurt your friend, with a stone or with your fist. So if is extra. What difference is it? Doesn't matter how you hit him. If you hit your friend. What difference? How? With a, why does he have to give two examples with your with your with your stone or with a fist? teaching just like a fist. You can bring to the court, so the judges can test, can evaluate. If a fist was enough to hurt you, so I've called muscle Anything that the damage, you have to bring it to the court. The court is the value. To the exclusion, she also The witnesses saw that he threw a stone, but the stone is lost. So we can't bring it to court. We can't evaluate. Was it enough to do damage or not? 
So I'm later Akiva. Akiva said to Shimon that had the money. He said to him, Did they, was the Bezden, did they witness what happened? That they know, could they evaluate how much he hit him, where he hit him, he hit him on his hand, on his legs, or on something on his heart that his whole life depends on. What if someone pushes off his friend from the roof, rooftop, or from a tower and he dies? The Bezin has to go and trek and walk over there to see the height, to see. We're going to say that the, the, we're going to bring the tower, we're going to pull the tower to the court so they can evaluate. If he fell before the judges have a chance to see it. So we have to rebuild it. We have to rebuild the model so we can evaluate. Ella, surely, you don't have to evaluate. You rely on the witnesses. The witnesses evaluated at the site, at the scene, at the moment. And they come to court just to testify. They can see the fist and they can evaluate if it's strong enough to do the damage. They know how he hit him and what he hit him with. And it was that he threw a stone and then and they never saw it. They never saw it after. So they can never evaluate to see if the stone was enough to, to hurt. In that case, pot. Okay, so we have an argument between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shimon Atemani. Rabbi Shimon Atemani says that the court has to evaluate itself, and Rabbi Akiva says, no, we rely on the witnesses. So what's the question? Funny, me as we learn, did they hit before the court? Meaning, if they would have hurt before the court, then, then it would make sense. Then, then they can evaluate, indeed could evaluate and can render a verdict. So how can you say that Akiva says that once you're a witness, you can never ever act as a judge? But the answer is, it's not a contradiction. He's saying, according to you, I hold, I hold in general, once you're a witness, you can never ever uh, be a judge. But you hold like, uh, you hold, you hold differently. You hold like Rab Tarvin, that, that you could, even though you witness, you could act as a judge. You can act as both simultaneously, but you can act as a judge. So even according to you, so what? You're gonna you're gonna schlep the court to go and evaluate. If they would have seen it according to you, then it would make sense. We'll stop here to be continued. Have a wonderful day.